before I start speaking today, there's something I want to share with you. And I asked his permission prior to doing this. I have a young man that I know, he actually works for me or works with me, and his name is Mike Isaac. Mike Isaac is a very nice young man. He is probably the kind of guy you really do want to introduce your daughters to. He's that kind of a nice guy. But Mike has an issue. Mike has a very serious issue. Mike has an issue that is an eternal issue. Mike doesn't know the Lord. The one thing about Mike is, is he's willing and able and desiring to hear about it. But he doesn't want to just come on and say, I believe that because it's just something that's there. It has to be in here. And he wants to be touched by that. So I personally do everything I possibly can. I try my hardest to model Christ, but I'm a human and I fail. So the reason I even bring up Mike this morning is I'm going to ask each and every one of you, if you would pray for Mike Isaac, that he will have that intervention that he is desiring to have, and he's truly open to it, but he would have that desire and to come to know the Savior. If there's nothing else of all the monies that I'm not bragging about this, but all the monies that I've had the privilege of paying him over the years that he's worked with me, the greatest thing will be is if he comes one day and says, I've accepted the Lord. There's no greater thing than that, and that's what we're all called to do. So, Dave, you've already told him about my wife and my kids, and I tell you that when I first met my wife at the age of uh, whatever she said it was, six and, what, sixth grade and uh, 13 and whatever, I, uh, I went up to her that first day and said, I'm going to marry you one day, and she laughed at me. She literally laughed at me. I said, okay, I just thought I'd give you a forewarning. And she did tell me to leave her alone, but that didn't, as you can tell. When I did go to uh, the sheriff's department, I have to tell you that when I, I mean, when I went to Windermere, I went up to talk to Dave Ogden. He says, let me do something for you. Have you ever gone to a police office station and suddenly it looks like you've just been arrested? <laughs> so I had to text him and that, you know, are you sure that I'm not being arrested through this process? So I thought that was a pretty good page. I saw this like five minutes after or ten minutes after it went on social media, and I had no idea what had happened. All of a sudden, I'm seeing my Facebook go off because Ali was the first one. I said, how did you hear about this? I literally just sent my bio in, and now I'm, I'm seeing it through Facebook. So I hit like to Ali, and as soon as I hit like, I went, what did I just do? Because I hadn't told my kids yet. What did I just do? So I get on the phone and start telling people that I hadn't even talked to about this whole thing. So obviously, it was a great thing. It was, it was fun. I can honestly tell you that I have never anguished over a message as much as I've anguished over this message. I have been thinking about this ever since David asked me back, I don't know how long ago. And I actually went, I just don't want to do it. But a good friend of mine who's standing in the back back there says, Andy, anytime you have an opportunity on a platform to speak about Christ, speak about Christ. Do it. Because it's not about you. It's about the message that God is going to work in you and through you. So if you get nothing from this today, I promise you that I have really sweated over this. I've cried over this. I've prayed about this. And it just may, I have notes about this. But it just may not come across the right way. But I'm hoping that it will touch at least one person in this room today to know the sincerity of my heart about what we're talking about. The sincerity about what we're trying to do here in Iron Man. We've all picked topics this year. And my topic is loyalty. And I get to talk a little bit about loyalty. But I know for a fact there are men in this room that are much more qualified to even teach this message, but are much more loyal than I am. You see, loyalty is something that is definitely lacking in our community. But in this room today, I know for a fact that some of you served in the military. If you served in the military, would you please stand up? 
Stand, keep standing, please. If you've served as an officer or first responder, would you please stand? Continue to stand. If you served as a pastor, elder, or leader of your community, would you please stand? If you've served as a husband, please stand, which is one of the hardest. You should all get a hand for that one. If you've also been a businessman or a leader within our community, would you also stand? Just about every man in this room is standing, but I'm going to ask you all just to stand for one second. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, would you please stand? Thank you. Each of you, each and every one of us have an opportunity every day to be an influencer when it comes to integrity because people are watching you. People are watching you through your loyalty. They're watching to see how you conduct yourself. My topic happens to be loyalty. And when I picked it, are you telling me to sit down? Are you looking down? When you pick loyalty, when I pick loyalty, it was not because I thought I had it under my belt, because I can honestly tell you there are days where I'm just not too sure that I do have it. But here's the problem with loyalty today. People have it mixed up. I think we as men, we have a a misguided understanding of what loyalty can be. Sometimes we're loyal to, to our favorite football team. Mine happens to be the Miami Dolphins. Yeah. yeah. Some of you are misguided. You're Patriots fans. That's okay. God will still love you. I only say that, of course, because you beat us all the time and we never make the playoffs because of you. That's another issue. But some of us are basketball loyalties. Some of us are, some of us are our football loyalties to our restaurant loyalty to our favorite beer loyalty. There's so many different types of loyalties out there, and people will sell it. They'll wear it. They'll talk about it. They'll go to the restaurant. They'll do all of these things because they're loyal to that cause. But let the restaurant have a bad day. Let the food not taste good. Let your team lose. And where does that loyalty seem to go? See, loyalty is misguided in words like that. And loyalty is like anything else that has got anything to do with Christ. It is not easy. It takes work. Everything that we do as believers is a purpose to do something. There's no misunderstanding. There's no misguiding that we are here to be ambassadors of Christ. Of course, one of the last things he's ever said to us is to go out and make disciples of his people. We have to be able to do that with integrity. We have to be able to do that with loyalty. I am not perfect at this. By no stretch of the imagination do I want to say that I'm perfect about this, and no place do I think that I've got this underneath my belt beyond anything else. But I did grow up listening to a lot of stories that I wanted to be like and encouraged to be like. Some of those stories that you probably grew up and listened to as well. One of my favorite, but I just thought it was so cool, but I just thought the guy was nuts, was Daniel. Daniel was a great guy, and if you read the Bible, there's not one thing that you'll ever hear negative about Daniel. Not one word was ever mentioned of anything negative about Daniel by God's standards. Now, there were some complaints about Daniel because Daniel refused to listen to the king's edict. He refused to not pray, and of course, you know, that led him into the lion's den. 
There was one, three guys that were young when they started out. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and I call him a bad, bad Negro. <laughs> These guys did not want to defile their bodies. They didn't want to defile their bodies, so they turned around and they said, if you just not allow us to eat that food, I would really, really appreciate it. We want to honor God through our integrity, through our faithfulness, through our loyalty. They did it. They were good. They were doing really great. These guys, everything about these men succeeded until one day they didn't listen to the edict. And we know what happened with that. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they wound up going into a fiery furnace. But it was because of their integrity that they went into the fiery furnace. Gentlemen, there's also examples that are not so good that are probably more like some of our stories, like David and Bathsheba. Being someplace where you're not supposed to be, looking at things we're not supposed to look at, and being lured down the wrong path. There's no guilt here. There's no condemnation. But I do know at the end of the story, as you know, that there's hope for all of us. Then there's people like Samson. Samson turns around, and here's the strongest man. He's got this body and physique, the strength that nobody else had ever have. And Samson was anointed, and he was told that he was anointed. He knew he had the badge. He knew that people were watching every step that he did. But Samson did not understand his loyalty to what he, was, what he needed to be loyal to. So Samson, one day, the Bible tells us that he decided that he was going to go out and get him a little on the side. He decided to go for a walk to find a prostitute. The Bible says that, well, not the Bible says, but at the average steps of where he had to go to, it took about 5,353,000 ,003 steps for him to make it towards that lady. Any one of those steps, Samson could have stopped, realized that he was doing the wrong thing and could have easily turned his life back around. But why didn't he? Why didn't Samson do it? Why don't we do it? Because I think sometimes we truly lose sight of what we are. I've had the privilege of talking to men over the years of marriage. One of my favorite things in the whole wide world is marriage counseling. And whenever I have an opportunity of sitting down talking to men about marriage and where they're struggling with, guys, tell me what's going on in your life. Well, it's because, and they list all of the things that are going down. And I find out they lose their courage. They lose their fight. They lose their integrity. They lose their image. And eventually they lose their loyalty. It's not because they admit to. It's because they looked at the wrong thing. And they allowed that to start eating at them. They looked at the wrong thing and they allowed that to take them down the wrong path. I want to encourage you. As I was going through this message, I said, Lord, I actually went away. Sounds kind of rough, but yesterday, Thursday night, I went to, I'm sorry, Wednesday night, I went up to a condo friend of mine at the beach. And I just spent some time praying. And I had the worst time. I walked in and I said, okay, Lord, it's just me and you and I'm going to turn the TV on just so I can get some background noise. Television didn't work. I said, okay, Lord, it's just me and you. I'm going to go sit on the couch and just going to read. I got so distracted. Okay, Lord, it's going to be me and you, and I'm going to go out to the ocean. And I get distracted again. 
I was up until 1 o'clock in the morning, and I had prepared my message, and I finally said, that's it. At 12 o'clock, I turned on the television, and I started watching cops. It went off. I said, okay, Lord, what are you trying to tell me? He says, put down the TV and look at me and listen to me. You see, you're becoming distracted about things that are not important. You think that you need to be able to relax through this process, but I need you to listen to me. So I was like, Lord, I'm just still not getting this. I'm just not feeling this. He says, why don't you just try to do something different? Talk to the guys like I would have you talk to them and say, please, there's something that you need to know is that I care and I love you and I'm here for you. There's a story in the Bible. I'm more like this other guy that I, one of my favorite stories is that his name was Peter. Peter, you know, is one of Jesus' disciples. And Peter and I have so much in common. He likes to insert his foot in his mouth before he speaks. And Peter turns around and says, Father, I promise you that I will never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I am even willing to die for you. I am going to do that. That's more my story. That's the kind of person that I am, and I would guess if you're living and breathing that you've made some mistakes that you just don't seem to think are going to walk you away. But as I was thinking through this message, I said, Lord, how do I illustrate that? Why do we do this kind of stuff? So if I can give you a visual that you can't see, and I'll talk a little bit more about this. I have the privilege of being able to do the next three talks, and I'll share a little bit more in depth. I love our church. I'm not talking about anybody else's church. I'm not saying it's better than anyone else's church because the Holy Spirit, I believe, is alive and well in anybody's church. But we've been talking about identity and what is your identity. And do you have an identity in Christ that it's a me identity where you want to serve God because it's you and you have an agenda? And so if you feel like if you perform well enough, you can get what you want from God. Or do you have a relationship identity? See, it's not about whether or not you can buck yourself up and do right. Because all of us men, we want to do right. It has to be a transformation within this heart. It can't be a head transformation and say, I'm not going to look at that girl. I am not going to go to that bar. I am not going to watch that television show. It has to be a heart change inside of you. So in order to have that heart change, you've got your identity, which is in Christ, is at the very top of this particular pyramid. Your relationship with your Lord and Savior is what gives you an opportunity to grow. Through that is loyalty and obedience, which will lead you back to the cost of who Christ is. When we become self-centered, it is always going to fail. So, Lord, how do, I, how do I share that? How do I tell you what that's like? A few weeks ago, I was on a roof. At my age, you should not be higher than two feet. I think twice before getting off of a curb. When I used to jump off buildings or do stupid stuff, I didn't even give it a second thought. But now I have to contemplate my steps. Enjoy your youth. <laughs> I was up on a roof, and on top of this roof was not just a normal roof. It was a tin roof. And I don't know if you've ever been on a tin roof at a 45-degree angle, but I'm kind of stupid. And it was a friend of mine, and I told him that I would clean it for him because we were painting his house, and it was, I just didn't want my paint to look terrible because his roof looked terrible, and I said, I'll clean it. So I get on his roof, and there's a flat place on his roof, and I actually make my way to the flat place, and I look at this roof, and I went, you are out of your mind. You need to get off this roof, but you need to do it real cool because you don't want him to know you're scared. 
So I turn around very slowly, and I look down, and he says, do you want a harness? And I said, I'm not getting back on this roof unless I have a harness. So he prepared and gave me a harness to get on his roof. Now, something in me should have said, this is still stupid. <laughs> but there was two things. He was a friend, and I needed the money. Money motivated me to go. So he gave me this harness, and I got on the roof. And while I was on that roof, they were having some family issues, some major family issues with inside of that. And I'm listening, and I'm thinking how, because they said, he's going to come home today. This young man just tried to commit suicide. And they said, he's going to come home today. We hadn't seen him. He's been Baker acted. They're finally letting him go. And I'm on the roof. And I have to share with you and show you. This is the reason I was trying not to wear a mic. So if you bear with me. My friend gives me a harness. And he says, put this harness on, and I'll teach you how to do it. I had never put a harness on my entire life because I thought I was smart enough never to have to put one of them on. But it came out to be that I was not smart enough because, again, I said I needed the money to, uh, to make this happen. And he was literally paying me very handsomely to make this happen. So he gives me this harness, and he says, okay, put it on. Chief, I might need your help here because I just got it twisted somehow. Thank you. I got to get this leg up here. If I don't get this leg here, it's not going to work properly. So, now you know why I don't go up on harnesses. Okay, thank you. That's right. Awesome. Close enough. That's close enough for government work. Oh, did I say that loud, Chief? Oh, sorry. There goes that candidacy. <laughs> uh, thank you so very much. I do appreciate it. So I said, Lord, how do I turn around and make this demonstration? And as I was thinking about this whole thing, I said to this guy, the Lord said to me, Andy, you know, life is like a harness. I've given you all these instructions. I've given you my book. I've given you my words. Well, what do you do? You look at them and you stare at them and you say, oh, I can do it myself. You never buckle yourself in or do you buckle yourself in? Do you take the chances that are, do you take unnecessary chances? And my answer was absolutely. I take unnecessary chances. Anybody else out there might take an unnecessary chance? Okay, if you don't raise your hand, you're lying to me. Because we're men, as David says, we're competitors. We like to be competitive, and we like doing things on our own. So he gives me this harness, and I loosened it up before I got in here because I didn't want to have to scream. And I said, what is this? I have no idea how to work this thing. And so he shares with me exactly the carabiner and all these other things or whatever it's called, and I really don't want to know because I'm going to be off this thing shortly after this, and I'm not getting on another roof anytime soon. <laughs> My wife has told me that that's going to be the case or I might not be having sex for a year. <laughs> so he gives this thing to me, and I find at one point... At one point, I'm standing on the roof, 45 degree angle. I realized that I am really scared because, see, I put some chlorine on this roof by this time. Bad enough by it was. But chlorine on a tin roof equals stupid. Er. 
So I'm standing on this 45 degree angle at one point. Hope my insurance company is not listening. And I realize that I literally have this in my hand and this in my hand. Anybody see a problem with that? This is a problem when this is in your hand and this is in your hand. God said that's the same thing with me. This is in your hand and you're in my hands and we're not connected. We're not connected. So I really did I went as slow as I possibly could, and I literally put it back inside of this particular device, and I locked it back in, my carabiner, and I locked it back in, and I literally slipped and fell. I got, was wearing short pants, which you should never do on a tin roof with a bunch of screws. I have a scar on my knee, really bad. Now, to top that off, that day I was even dumber. I had a chemical pack on my back, and I bent over. Chemical oh, wow. spilled all down my back. Oh, I have had a third-degree burn on my back that big. But I didn't get off the roof because I was busy. For almost a month, every shirt I wore hurt really bad. And what do guys like here love to do? Hey, buddy, how you doing? Bap, bap, bap. I call the name of Jesus every time I met another person. Anyway, I go, I digress. Gentlemen, here's my message to you. For me to have integrity, for me to be loyal, I need to be anchored. God's word tells us to put on our armor every day. He didn't say get smarter, get harder. You can do it. You can do it by your bootstraps. But he says, clothe yourself. Clothe yourself. So if I leave you with an example, put on your armor. Attach yourself to something greater than you. Attaching yourself to something that's immovable, immeasurable, that's higher than anything that you could ever see, deep enough that you can never fall to the depths, wide enough that you can never outrun him. Clothe yourself in his word. Be strong and courageous, not because of your strength, but take heart that I have overcome the world. And there's nothing or no one, no sin can ever separate you from him. The rest of the story with Peter is one day he gets bored because he's denied Christ and our Savior is dead. So he decides to go fishing. As he's fishing... Someone says, catch anything? Who is this sarcastic guy? He obviously sees we don't have any fish. One guy, he says, cast your nets on the other side. And the story says they could not contain what God had in store for them. Cast your nets on the other side and you will not be able to contain what God has in store for you. Well, Peter decides he's going to go farther. Of course, he jumps into the water. And he goes to the shore. And three times... As they're having breakfast, God asked him, Peter, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. He's asked me before, Andy, do you love me? Yes, Lord, I love you. 
than feed my sheep. I don't like people sometimes. Peter, do you love me? Take care of my sheep. Peter, do you love me? You know I love you, God. And take care of my sheep, my lamb. Feed them. Talk to them. Be a man of courage. Take heart that I'm with you. Here's the thing. The God of the universe, the God of our universe, Jesus Christ, cooked him breakfast. You see, at that moment, I truly believe that Peter went from having a head transformation or a behavior modification as we've been using around our church to a heart transformation. Gentlemen, we can't do it on our own unless you have a heart transformation for God who loves you in the very situation you're in today and wants you to know that. And one of the ways that I do that is not only being connected to this, but I'm connected in other ways. And this is the reason Iron Man exists. And I'll close with this. Chief Ogden, David Hill, my Iron Man. Can I get you guys to come up for a second, please? All the Iron Men, if you can follow up behind Chief Ogden and Dale, David. Would you hold that rope, please? Any other Iron Men here? Can I get you to come grab another piece of the rope? Gentlemen, I know for a fact that one of the greatest things that I've got going on in my life is one day this guy, David Hill, comes to me and he says, I think you're supposed to be in a group with us. What time are you meeting? 7 o'clock in the morning. I said, David, if you see me at 7 o'clock in the morning, it means you were in the same bed together and that's not going to happen. <laughs> Some almost four years ago now, I think it has been, I've been a part of the Ironmen. And these men, I am anchored to what is stronger than it can ever be. But I know that when I go, these men are pulling me and holding me. But here's the thing about this particular carabiner, is I'm saying it right? This one you have to be able to, if I can pull as hard as I want to pull here, and it will not budge. Sometimes I have to release the pressure, adjust myself to where I'm supposed to go, and then it locks itself back in. Releasing my right, my self-made right, that I think is so good, it will keep me from moving in the direction that God wants me to do. So if these men are not a part of my life, there have been more times that I would have went like this. Houston, we have a problem. Maybe I'm not alone, so here's my challenge to you. I think this is almost over 100 feet of rope. If you feel like you know somebody that you need to link arms with. You know that somebody you want to hold your rope. I'm going to ask you to grab a rope and just walk it around. Every one of us needs somebody. I trust that God is talking to you today and saying, don't let go. So grab a hold of the rope. This is a physical thing, guys. We're, we're actually talking. It should not be tangled. Just grab a piece of rope. Run it right down the center. 
don't, don't ever use this for a lifeline. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, part of this rope happened is where if you get a real rough part of this rope, it happened because I spilled part of the chemicals that was supposed to go on the rope. So he told me you can now keep the rope because it's no longer good for anything else except trash. He didn't tell me that I can keep the carabiner, but I'm keeping it. <laughs> Gentlemen, we are not meant to be islands unto ourselves. If you are breathing here today, God has a purpose for your life. There are people that you will meet that only you can touch, that only you can be their lifeline, that only you can help them come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We all have, we all have a responsibility. We all have a responsibility because when he, before he ascended into heaven, he said, go and make disciples of all men and women teaching them and baptizing them. Please don't leave this room today and think that your life doesn't matter. Please don't leave this room today and thinking you screwed up so bad. None of us here have ever been in a campfire and denied Christ three times to the point where you were swearing. And if you have, remember he cooked you breakfast. Lord, I thank you for the day. I thank you that as we hold on to this rope, that we were reminded that we all need each other. First and foremost, we need you. First and foremost, we need to be anchored to the right source. First and foremost, we need to put on our armor every day and remembering that you are the reason for hope. Lord, I pray for my friend Mike Isaac. I told him when I first met him that this is not a stealth mission. I'm going to tell everyone I know to pray for you. And you will not be able to resist one day the power of God tapping into your life. I pray, Father, today that Mike will come to know you. That he will be ushered into your presence knowing you died for him and cooked him breakfast. Lord, thank you for this opportunity to be a part of this group called Iron Man. Thank you for putting David Hill into my life. And Lord, thank you for putting Chief Ogden in my life. And I'll ask every one of you to please pray for me to be able to serve the Windermere community, the police department well, because it's not about me. It's about being tethered to my brothers. I ask this in your precious name. Amen. Amen.